much for joining me today. I'm so honoured that you came to do this podcast for me, so thank you. Um, I'm going to start off with my first question. Where did this journey start for you? Becoming a Karma Sutra expert, um, a storyteller, an author? So for me, um, Sharon, <clears throat> stories are literally the most powerful tool of influence. I'm a storyteller, as you know. And I believe that the stories that we tell define our identity. They actually establish our position in society. So when you tell stories, for instance, of how a man comes home drunk and beats up his wife, but she's such a good woman. She's so, yeah. she's such a good yeah. woman. She never says anything. She never lets keeps him quiet. down. She keeps quiet. Mm. Then you've kind of established what you believe is a good woman. In you've normalized what yeah. is to mean Absolutely. a good woman. So to be a good woman is the one who's going to keep quiet and take everything. And so these stories that we tell define who we are. And if we ever want to create change, real sustainable change, mm. it is these stories that need to be changed. Yeah. And so I have worked for a long time with women's narratives, looking mm. at stories of how we position women in our, in our um, narrative. And then I discovered, or I started to realize that we never ever tell stories of a woman's right to her own body, yeah. of her own sexuality. That was always somebody else's property. And I decided to try and explore the stories that we had silenced because mm. we are, after all, the land of the Kama Sutra. Yeah. There must have been some stories sometime. And some truth in it. Right? And some truth in it. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, we know so little about the Kama Sutra that I truly thought, mm, okay, fine, I'll you know have a little read of the text. It'll be maybe a 10,000, 15,000 word essay. And I'll have moved on, and that was 18 years ago. That's amazing. Because, I tell you what, I stumbled upon a treasure trove mm. of narrative, of literature, of something like 2,000 years worth of literature, that erotic literature that yeah. belongs to ancient India, which is utterly exquisite beyond description. Right. And it's not pornographic, is it? It's, it's actually beautiful and very much you're connected with it, aren't you? It's so beautiful. You know, I have to tell you that it was written, the Kama Sutra itself, um, we're told in the introduction that it's written to create the most refined society. Mm. Because much like um, when Plato wrote The Republic, he yeah. said it was to create the most um, ultimate civilization. Oh, sorry, I can't remember the word that he uses, but it's basically to create the perfect civilization. Yeah. This was to create the most refined society because mm. it said that everything in life, you know, the success of all relationships depended on good pleasure mm. and a, a, a society that understood the pleasure of women properly mm. was a refined, civilized society. Yeah. And, you know, I, sorry, I have to tell you this because I just think it's so incredible. Most people think there's just the one Kama Sutra. There isn't. There are several thousand oh, texts that okay. belong in the erotic um, narratives of ancient so India. So it's not just about positions, is it? Oh, God. It's because the, I think that's... The <laughs> position is the tiniest yeah. bit. But, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the erotic texts, actually, the reason that there are so many is because every king that came to the throne of every kingdom said that people, if two people share ultimately mutually pleasurable intimacy that relationship will be stable mm. if the relationship is stable society will be stable mm -hmm. 
If society is stable, the kingdom will be stable. Wow, okay. So really, we're yeah. talking about this for the sake of national security today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing this for national security. But yes, yeah, so this was considered to be an art form. It was supposed to be really, really special and beautiful. Mm. There is absolutely nothing crass or coarse and the positions are an easy little part of it. And there was a reason behind yeah. that as well. But don't you find it's really strange that, well, that this was written 2000 years ago and yet in this day and age it's still quite stigmatized within the south asian community particularly about anything to do with self-pleasure and actually it's it's i think made women become more uncomfortable as time goes on about even even anything to do with sexual pleasure at all any kind of experience isn't it just so sad because not only not only okay the kama sutra is written 2000 years ago but in actual fact the author of the Kama Sutra says that he hasn't written anything new. He's taken, he's literally copied and pasted stuff from books written a thousand years before that. So really, we were talking about the pleasure of women mm. from 3,000 years ago, writing texts on it 3,000 years ago. And I think one of the things that's happened, like I said, the stories that we tell define who we are. It's the words that we use to tell those stories mm. that define our actions. So you've said that in your book, you said actually one of the um, like domineering kind of factors about coming out and being a Kama Sutra expert is because of its language. So explain that. So basically, they talk, like I said, it was, to make, it was to create the most refined society. It was to try and understand that this was a beautiful thing. And it was um, extremely important in our lives. Mm. Now, I quoted from that wonderful feminist, Naomi Wolf, who says that she, well, she actually says in her book, imagine a world where <clears throat> a woman grows up, a girl grows up, mm -hmm. hearing of her body referred to in the most beautiful terms. Because mm -hmm. if you've noticed, all sexuality, everything, every bit of the female body is referred to in abusive terms. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a source of um, yeah. something coarse. It's a source of abuse, mm. and so that's why it's become stigmatized, hasn't it? Absolutely, because mm. if you think of it as something abusive, you yeah. you, you act like it's aggressive and, it's and abusive. Negative yeah, as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. And she says, imagine a world where girls grow up thinking of their body as something beautiful because you're referring to the clitoris as the umbrella of the love god or the yeah. vagina as the sandalwood palace. I mean, imagine that. Imagine a girl growing up being told that her pleasure is so important that the stability of the kingdom, the stability yeah. of the universe depends on it. How differently would we feel about ourselves? Yeah, yeah. But we've used all of this language to put um, the woman down and mm. the act of intimacy and pleasure into a pit of aggression and abuse and we've kind of destroyed everything and now we're trying to drag ourselves out of it. It's going to be a little bit of a, a journey yeah, to come out of absolutely, that. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the things as well is that I think is really important is women have lost the connection with themselves, haven't they? And I think, how, how, do we, how do we break that? Do you know, not only have we lost the connection with ourselves, we've, we've shut off that part of our brain mm. which deals with pleasure. We actually, most women will not even think of their own pleasure in their own head yeah. because it's considered such a bad thing. Mm. Most women will never ever look at their own bodies in the privacy 
of their own yeah. bathroom or their bedroom with the door locked. You so a lot of women have, have, yeah. haven't actually seen themselves, yes, have they? absolutely. And I have actually been saying to several um, companies that deal with pleasure products mm -hmm. that, you know, you're going out there and making all these pleasure aids and, you know, different sex toys. Mm. How about we make a really, really beautiful mirror, a little hand mirror for women saying, yeah. this is your first sex toy. Look at yourself yeah. first. Just admire yourself. I think that should be the very first thing that goes out into yeah. these pleasure shops. But it's a lack of education, right? Because we're, we, we're given sex education in school and a lot of it is to do with protection and, you know, what a man does and what a woman does together, right? But there's no actual education for self-pleasure. Actually, even the way that the sex education is imparted, it's very, it's very clinical. It's very sort of sanitized. Mm. This is the anatomy. This is what happens. We never, ever talk about pleasure. You know, the kind of questions that I get from people, I even had one young girl say recently, oh, when I was 15, I used to feel my orgasms so much stronger, and now they're not that strong. What should I do to bring back the strength? And I was thinking, <laughs> by whose Richter scale yeah. are you measuring this? Who's setting down the law on what you should be feeling? Yeah. Pleasure And for how long, yeah. and how it should look. And how, yeah. yeah. And I it's think your it's, pleasure. Yeah, and it's a, a lot of that is to do with sort of what we're exposed to. So for example, porn, for example, a woman looks a certain way, yes. doesn't she? And it's supposed to sound a certain way and it's supposed to be, but actually not necessarily that, you know, it's, it's, it's loud and it, but actually it's, a lot of the time it's not, is it? You know, the reason that the Kama Sutra is really controversial, like I said, mm. that it, it, does, it wasn't new in its mm. content. It only took the stuff that was written a thousand years before. Yes. So. It wasn't because it was suddenly a book about sexuality. Yeah. The reason that it was so controversial is because after a long time it said, women have an independent source of pleasure that has nothing to do with a man. Mm -hmm. And until then, you know, it had been believed that women don't have an independent source of pleasure, that it depends on the pleasure of a man. Mm. And it went out to describe the pleasure of men and women. Mm. So it says, it says that the pleasure of a man is like fire. It starts down below mm -hmm. and it's, it goes upwards. Right. And it's very easy to ignite and very easy to douse down. Yeah. A woman's pleasure is like water. It starts up here in the head and it flows yeah, downwards. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. like water, it takes forever to come to the boil and it takes forever to cool down. <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, your pleasure is so different yeah. that there is no way in hell that you can come together for this so-called sexual experience mm. and suddenly feel the same way. We don't have, um, we're not even using the same organs for no, lovemaking. Right. You know, that's the right. penis, it, the counterpart of the penis is not the vagina. No. It's the clitoris. That's yeah. where the, um, the nerve endings are, which make you feel pleasure. So, yeah. you know, porn is put out there much like all the makeup ads and it's so more, on. It's more towards men, isn't it? That, it is I think totally so. geared towards I men, so. of course. But also, it's, it's a, an industry where they're selling a particular thing and it's about time. So somebody started to well, make sense of the fact that it's not real. It's like those mm. wonderful creams that they tell you about that you yeah. put it on yeah. and you know suddenly after two weeks, you're going to be bright and sparkly. Yeah. And let's face it, that doesn't happen either. No, it doesn't. And I think as well, what this also shows is if we, if we can't be intimate with ourselves and know what we like, how can we tell our partner what we like if we don't know ourselves? If we, if we can't even look at ourselves in the mirror, yeah. how can actually we educate? And also, 
that also goes into connection of um, women, I think, find it hard to tell a man what they want. Yes, because they're judged for it. You know, mm. if you have a woman saying to her partner, kiss me in this way, it's like, what do you mean? They get aggravated, don't yeah. they? No, no, they do yeah. because it's like, are you saying I don't kiss well? And yeah. then it's like, how do you know you'll enjoy that? What have you been doing? Who have you been with? It's unbelievable yeah. the level of judgment that yeah. goes with it. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you can. Because it's like you want to get the act over with, right? Because that's, that, that's I think, is it, when I talk to a lot of my girlfriends, it's like, you know, it's there's, a not, chore. Yeah, it's, there's not enough time. People don't make time for each other, do they? No, and I think that also comes into, you know, this whole idea of this is a bad thing. It's taboo, it's sinful. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it out of the way as quickly because as possible. Because we need children, right? Yeah. Because the next stage is children. That's yeah. what we've got to do. So, yeah, you're right. And as soon as you have children, at least in the Indian context, you're suddenly supposed to lose all your sexuality. Yeah. Now you're a mother. Even at a certain age, though, things. right? Yeah. Even at a certain age, are you still doing it? Yeah. 16, like, you know. Yeah. Do you know how much trolling I get for being this age and talking about pleasure? Oh, I get told that I should prepare for my death. I get told that I should go and fall into a gutter and die. It, I mean, the abuse. Mm. Because, old lady, don't you have anything better to do? I mean, like, really, yeah. you know, um, yeah. if I was telling you about cooking recipes, you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't say, hey, you're too old, your digestive system is backed mm. up, don't you dare tell me about food. You wouldn't say that, right? Yes. But and this is a generational cycle as well, isn't it? I mean, this is, I mean, we talk about the South Asian sort of community, but actually, I think this is quite a universal issue. It is a universal issue. Um, I think that, however, it's in some places, maybe the acceptance rates are starting to change. The narrative is starting mm. to change just a little bit. Yeah. We are still, I find within the South Asian communities, um, that narrative is still very much in place and it hasn't it hasn't shifted enough to no. make space make room for the new um, for the new narrative no and the thing is it's obviously something that people need and want because you have over 300,000 followers just on Instagram so I don't yeah. actually know how I, I can add it all up because you've got so many platforms that you know and, but people do want to know they want to know more about themselves don't they because I think people are are getting to an age or are getting to a time where we're actually realizing that we're missing out on ourselves. Absolutely. And I think it's so, you know, we always say that um, it's the stories that we tell and who is listening to those stories, who's telling them, and who's actually teaching them. Mm. So I think that the women are moving on and understanding that they want more out of their lives mm. and their bodies. I don't think that they're, they're male counterparts. No. have quite gotten to the same place. What's their problem, do you think? What, what, what is it that... Fear, really. Fear of change. Mm. And fear of losing control. Mm. Because if you think about it, I mean, you know, if, if, a, if as a man you're not really able to, as we've said already, you know, the, if a man's pleasure is so much quicker, it's going to start and finish so much more quickly. If you get to a point where the woman's pleasure is really important and it takes her that much longer yeah. and it takes so much more effort to get her to that point. How many people are going to either have the energy, the mm. stamina, the desire, the inclination, the, yeah. the education mm. to do it? It just shows as well the sort of the perception that men have as well. That yeah. needs to be altered, doesn't it? Because 
that, that really it's, it's a connection, isn't it? It's, it's a bonding sort of moment. And as you say, it's beautiful, isn't it? It is and, beautiful. And actually, if, if people but, took more time on it. So I had this email recently that had me in a bit of a dilemma. And um, so this guy wrote in, it was a man, mm. and he, he was talking about his girlfriend and he said, I really love her, we have a great sex life, but you know, recently she came to me and she said, I want a facial finish. And I don't know if you know what a facial finish is, it's where the man comes right, okay. on the face. Yeah. And he was really across and he said, you know, I'm so upset I would never do that to a woman because I think that's so disrespectful to do that to a woman and it's all wrong and she's watching all this bloody porn and it's leading her to think about all these stupid things and I wish that people would stop and can you not do a video talking about this? And my, you know, your first reaction is, oh, the guy's being so sweet and thinking about respect for women yeah. and then immediately follows the thought that finally his girlfriend has picked up courage to say, yeah, well, I really absolutely. want to try this. And she's being told, that's really wrong. How dare you mm. even think she's about that? She's actually asked. Yeah. But, yeah. So, you know, it's it's such a difficult um, mm. place and to it's, be. And it's about exploring, isn't it? It's not just, it's about knowing what you don't like because, you know, to make yes. it more pleasurable and more beautiful. I think in literally everything, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your um, sexual act, whether whatever it is, whether it's the food that you're eating, you've got to try something to know what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. And knowing what you don't like is so much more important because you know you don't want to carry it forward for the rest of your life mm. then. Uh, what do you think the sort of the main focuses are for a woman that if she wants to explore her self-pleasure, what are the main focuses that she should be working on? So the very first thing, and it's probably the most difficult thing to do, is literally to open up that little channel of pleasure in your head, those little mm. bits of your brain that say, this is pleasurable, which mm. most of us have shut down. Yeah. And I think, allow yourself to go into that area of your brain for yourself. Literally, mm. just, I find most women are petrified because the moment they start thinking of it, mm. it scares them, they stop yeah. and they actually shut it down. I, I just always say, I don't expect you to take giant steps and do all mm. sorts of things. Just start with this in your own head. Yeah. Just allow yourself to think of what gives you pleasure just in your own head. I can imagine though, that is one of the most, if, if if you've never done that, and if you actually don't even like yourself down there, and you've never seen it, it's that I think as well, it's the perception that you have of yourself, isn't it? You, you have to change that, even maybe before that part, by opening yourself up to it, it's actually maybe start seeing your vagina. And actually, it's actually not the vagina, it's the vulva, right, isn't it? It's the vulva. So I think that if in your head you can start thinking of it as good, mm. maybe that actually, because I think the physical will follow yeah. after that. Most women would prefer to have, um, to make love with the lights off. Most women... With the top on. With their top on. Mm. Most women are so embarrassed if, you know, it's different maybe in a, in a, in a, relationship where you've been together for a long time mm. but the moment you feel that you're starting a relationship or it's somebody that you meet slightly less often are my nails painted yeah, is my yeah. bikini line waxed is my you know you're worrying about all of those yeah. things so it's so basically your pleasure is contingent on other people's 
sort perception of perception. Of yeah, absolutely. So and what they what so what your man believes is sexy. That's what you're that's what you're doing, not actually yeah. accepting yourself. And yeah. all you have to do is, you know, um, and I always say this that if you actually think if if you are thinking on long those terms of feeling excited on the inside of your head you know you can be dressed in the most gorgeous way you can be looking mm. stunning but if you're feeling like shit on the inside yeah you're never going to find no, pleasure I, ever yeah, absolutely so if you can actually say you know what i really feel like i'm i'm worthy of this pleasure and mm. this is going to make me feel really good yeah you're you're going to feel better with whatever you do and that's going to carry forward into um your partner's pleasure as well. Yeah. And again, that's a really good point to make, communication. Because that's really important as well, isn't it? Communication is literally, I think, the basis of everything. The Kama Sutra actually says that it's all about, and it, it divides it up into stories. So it actually says the sort of stories that you should tell each other before you make love or after you make love, and they're all different. But mm. it's basically your conversation that you know, you have to understand that even the way that you communicate mm. before yeah. and after making love yeah. has to be different. Yeah. And it's all It's not about that you're done. Yeah. You're just done. Okay, great. No, know. but it's the EQ that, you know, before you go in to make love, that, it, you know, your conversation should be something that's exciting you. It's getting you kind of mm. up to that point, shedding your inhibitions, yeah. getting you to that point where you want to be together, where you're mm. getting more and more aroused with whatever you're doing. Yeah. When you finish, it's about wanting to bring it to a point where you say, you want each other to feel that it was a good thing that you made love. So yeah. now it's got to be calmer, softer, sweeter conversation, mm. you know? Yeah. And it's great, the Kama Sutra, like I said, actually gives you different stories that you should be telling, just to give you examples of how. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant book, honestly. Yeah. And what do you think is, why do you, why do you think it's important for women to be sexual with, it, with, their, with themselves before anything? You know, um, Sharon, they, it's, so they believed in past times, in ancient times, that pleasure is not a separate little sinful worm that mm. rises inside you. It's a shakti, it's an energy. The energy rises inside you, it courses through your body, it doesn't distinguish and say, okay, this bit of energy is for me to be able to do my maths paper properly. Mm -hmm. This bit of energy is for me to have um, sex properly. This bit of energy is to go off and do my yoga and my cooking. It's energy. Mm -hmm. You divide it. You, you understand it. You take it to different parts of your body. You use it. You, you channel it mm -hmm. according to what you need. And if you decide to close off a part of you, um, you're actually blocking off your own mm -hmm. energy. And I, I really believe that it's so much a part of ourselves. That your sexuality is the core of your being. Mm. If you close that off, you literally have shut down half of yourself. I think you're taught, especially in the South Asian community, you're taught to shut it down, aren't you? You're, you're taught to actually not look at it. And that's, I think that's where this has all come from, isn't it? This has come from not, it's come from your mother and your grandmother like telling you how you should be looking, how you should be feeling and sort of closing that part off because that's the man's job, right? And you know, Sharon, this is exactly what I was saying earlier about mm. the stories because a lot of women who come to me say, oh, I feel like this. So they'll tell me about a fantasy and say, mm. 
are there any stories over there that, that talk about this particular mm. fantasy? Because in anything that we do, particularly if it's something that you feel you're battling and you're trying to do something new, you're looking for role models, you're looking for a source mm. of strength. Yeah. And for us, we really do, we do live by our stories. So, you know, you're looking for stories to justify or validate this particular thing inside you because you want to feel that it's not bad, it's mm. not dirty, it's not sinful. It's okay. That's why these conversations are so important, That's right? why these conversations are so important. And it's amazing, but just think of the, the, the patriarchal machinery mm. that picked these particular stories yeah. and shut them down and buried them. Do you think a man did it? Do you think men did it over the years? Oh God, it has to be. <laughs> I mean, where else, why else why would, would they go into hiding? <laughs> so, one thing I do want to sort of talk about very quickly is to do it with women being critical. So we're very critical of ourselves, maybe not so much of other women. So how do women move forward and start sort of accepting themselves? You know, that's probably the most difficult thing ever to do, mm. because like you said, we're, we're actually taught to be critical of ourselves. We're taught from the start about Oh, if you don't look like this, if your complexion is not like this, mm. if your weight is not like this, you won't get married mm. and nobody will want you. And, you know, the usual yeah. kind of like what makes you acceptable, the politics of acceptability. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, we, we actually had this conversation recently on a panel where we said that even to go out there and start a rebellion. Mm. So, you know, if I'm standing up for a cause and I want people to follow me, I have to look like somebody that they want to follow. Yeah, Physically, right. yeah. visually, I need to look like someone yeah. that they want to associate with. Yeah. And it's just the sad reality. So um, I think that this particular message really goes out to the mothers yeah. out there. I was and say, say like, to them yeah. that you need to stop telling your child to fit into a mold to be acceptable to somebody else. Mm. Try instead to build up her mind and her confidence so that she's acceptable to herself because yeah. the moment you can accept yourself, yeah. you suddenly become acceptable. To, it's, it's an energy, it radiates yeah. out of it's you. It's confidence, isn't it? Yes. You, you see a woman confident and you know, don't it's you? It's so sexy. Yeah. Confidence yeah, is. is so yeah. sexy. It really is. And yes, there will always be a twit out there or some kind of moron who puts you down for the way that you look. And it's okay, you can walk past those people, yeah. but you need to have that within you rather than trying to fit in with. Yeah, absolutely. So your very last question I'm gonna ask you is, what was your favorite part in writing the book? So I'll tell you where it actually started. Um, I hated the idea of writing. <laughs> uh, I, I did, I'm a storyteller. I like the idea of being able to talk. I love that, I love interacting with people. Writing was a chore beyond belief. It was awful. My editor spent many hours crying oh, because no. of me, you know, oh, because God. I would be like, no, I don't want to do this. And poor Simmer would just be in tears because of me. But it was when I discovered the jewelry and the lovemaking. Mm. Um, you know, we were talking about positions earlier. Yeah. Well, the Kama Sutra never... Well, the Kama Sutra actually, it's a treatise, it's a scientific treatise, so it talks about the, um, the positions with their names. Mm. But in following literature, you never ever talk about a position by its name. You always refer to it through a piece of jewellery. 
because women were uh, taught how to perform positions by the movement of the jewelry that they were wearing. Oh, so for instance, for instance, in the ancient world, for a woman to be on top during love making was totally forbidden. It was not yes, permitted or, yeah. because that's the position of power. Yeah. In the Kama Sutra, of course, there are several positions where the woman can be on top. So mm -hmm. it was fine. But um, to be able to feel the pleasure properly, the idea was that you only moved your hips. Oh, you yes. didn't move yeah, the upper yeah, part yeah. of your body. And so for this, women would wear a jingling girdle, lots of little oh. tiny gungrus and bells yeah. on, on their upper waist. Yeah. And make sure that the bells didn't make a sound. Interesting. Yes. So you never ever refer to it as in the literature that follows as, and then she climbed up on top and then she humped her way. You didn't. No. You just said she put on her jingling girdle. <laughs> and you knew exactly that what was going to happen. And you knew that yeah. she was going to take her position on top. And I think for me, that entire strain of was just so exquisite mm. that's where the book actually started oh, because I wow. thought you know um, for the sitting position mm. it's a seven string necklace of pearls and <laughs> it was all about how you position yourself so that how the pearls move on your body mm. not how you move because the body movements will follow depending on if you can get the pearls to move the right way Wow. And every position, if you were underneath, you wore short earrings, if you were on top, you wore long mm. earrings. So there was yeah. a piece of jewelry for everything. There was also a different fragrance for every part of oh, your body. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that for me is really interesting because, you know, this whole idea of leaving your fragrance on your lover's body. Mm -hmm. Imagine if every part of your body has a different fragrance. Yeah. What perfume are you leaving on what part of his yeah. body depending on what you've done yeah. yeah and again a lot of the stories that follow are written according to you know when when they come away yeah. and he can feel the fragrance of jasmine from his which is worn on the neck yeah. by the way from his knees you know or whatever so mm -hmm. you know it is just that literally the the the, the um, elegance yeah of it. Um, you know, you knew what's happening. If yeah. She's one jasmine on her neck and he can smell it on his knees. Well, well, it reminds yeah. me of the part of your book where um, they, there's, there's body signals. So yeah. if you touch your ear and, and I found that, I found that quite comical, but obviously in that day and age that you, because yeah. you couldn't talk about it, that's what, no, and also you know, there weren't any and text messages and so on. No, there's no WhatsApps, no. <laughs> yep, and you're standing in a crowded mela, in a crowded yeah. fair across the way, and there are people mm. surrounding you, and you want to be able to tell your lover where to meet, what time to meet, etc. There were all these lovely, you touch your ear, you touch your hand, you, you know, and so on, so and you sent your signals to each other. So one of the things that the Kama Sutra is, actually probably the main thing that Kama Sutra is um, famous for is the positions. When people find out I'm Indian, you know, white people, um, generally they ask me about this Kama Sutra. That's one of like the questions, do you, know, do you know the Kama Sutra? Have you performed it? It's comical, but it's more than that, isn't it? But let's talk about the position side of it. Yes, I think, I'm so glad you asked actually, because it is one of those things that the Kama Sutra is known for. And, and I'm always desperately trying to straighten out this narrative. So mm. yes, I really do want to tell you about this. So, um, you know, we talked earlier about the 
communication, the, yeah. the importance of communi communicating mm -hmm. with each other. And this is seriously communication at a whole different level. Yeah. So the Kamsutra says that intimacy should be mutually pleasurable. If both people aren't having the same amount of pleasure, you may as well not be having sex. I mean, it's no point. <laughs> now, the first thing, however, to mutually pleasurable intimacy is for the sexual organs to synchronize with each other. Because if the woman is really, really big and the man is very, very thin or very small, there isn't going to be a great deal of friction or pleasure. Right. <clears throat> if the woman is too small and the man is too big, mm -hmm. it's just going to be painful. So. It's not always that you end up with a partner who is the same size yeah, as you sexually. Right. And nobody in ever wrote in and said, I'd like the, the hand of your daughter in marriage, but um, what is the size of her? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not really. And right. I think that the Kama Sutra probably realized that, or the authors of the Kama Sutra realized that men might even do that yeah. with any, um, you know, with, with the way that um, things have gone in society. So it actually says that women cannot be measured. A man is measured by the uh, width of three fingers at a time. Right. Three fingers, six fingers, nine fingers. A woman, however, cannot be measured like that because the vagina is more elastic organ and women mm -hmm. have thinner fingers. And we have an in internal clitoris as well, don't yes. we? Yes, so um, there's all sorts of yeah. permutations and combinations. So it basically creates the positions to be able to synchronize the sexual organs. So yeah. if the woman was too big and the man was too small, the positions recommended for her were where she would lie on her side, she would be able to pull her knees up, that would make her smaller. Right. If she was very small and he was too big, wow. then there are certain positions where you have your legs wide open, where you have your legs up in the air mm. and so on, because that then changes the angle of penetration. That's what mm. the positions were And the for. intensity of the orgasm, I presume, as well, right? Yes, well, the intensity of the orgasm varies because, like I said, it's... It's more up here. It's all up there right. and also, interestingly, the Kama Sutra does not actually talk about the act of sex. So it tells you about the positions, oh, but okay. it doesn't tell you how they're performed and how many thrusts there should yeah. be. And da, 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 da. When it, you should go fast and yeah, then slow down. It right, has none okay. of that. So it's, it's, it's very much about, okay, fine, these are positions, but they're so secondary to all the other things that have been listed, things mm. like the love bites, the love scratches, the kissing, the... Um, the foreplay. The right? foreplay, yeah. absolutely. So much emphasis has gone onto the foreplay. Mm. And very, very um, little on the positions. But the positions were basically created to make sure that the act of sex... See, I didn't know happens, that. I don't think... I mean, I did not know that. Well, most people don't. It's And it's really, like I said, it's frustrating because most people are like, oh, so what's the best position then? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what's your favorite position? Yeah, it's like, to me. it's yeah. not about a position, you yeah. know, but, yeah, but what's the best position? <laughs> like, I really want to slap them when they yeah, say it. Yeah. So, like, so what you're saying and you say in your book, it's the, the foreplay of it. So how does, how does someone from not being very sexual at all to get to that point where you know they have a partner and they start is it communication is is it just as simple as communication and what they want with each other and that's how they start the, the sort of start the foreplay and what so makes it fun? once again um as i said this it really is from within your head first unfortunately nobody else can bring you to pleasure you your pleasure is your responsibility and i yeah. want women 
and men to understand this. Right. It's not your partner's responsibility. They can enhance it. They can be right. wonderful for you. Okay. But if you've closed yourself down to pleasure to begin with, mm. it ain't happening. If no you're matter. thinking about something else that you've got to do yeah. that day, Absolutely. it's not going <laughs> to... And for people who are very sexual and need the help, we always recommend um, a level of understanding how to build fantasy mm. because it does all start in the head. Yeah, There are courses which you can do and mm. actually my next podcast is going to be about understanding yes. a guide to building fantasy. That's important. And the ethics of fantasizing, literally, mm. you know, and because all of that, you know, when people fantasize, they come back and say, but was that wrong of me? Was that sinful? I was to say, it, it's yeah. still stigmatized, isn't it? Because it is. you're, yeah. you're worried that actually your, um, the, the fantasy that you have in your head for your partner on how they're going to react. Yeah, right. absolutely. And that's scary. It's very scary. So I think that pleasure has to be guided. Fantasies have to be guided for most of us. Isn't it sad? I mean, look at us. We're in the... 22nd century yeah, now, 20, yeah, 22nd century, 21st century. 21st century. We're yeah. in the 21st, sorry, yeah. I'm a little bit further. I'm a bit ahead yeah, of yeah. my time. <laughs> we're in the 21st, because we're in 2021, I'm thinking yeah. 22nd. Yeah, we're in the um, 21st century, and we're still worrying about the fact that a little fantasy that excites mm. me in my own head is something that I have to worry about, that yeah. it's sinful. I'm fearful, yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, um, when it comes to this, we're talking about like now, this sort of like decade and we're in, like we're putting too much importance on the man, I think, as well. Because and for them, that's a pressure, right? Yeah. We've got to think about the pressure. You know, it's, that's got to be a real pressure like that. You can't make your woman calm, so there's something wrong with him, right? And you know, this is, again, it's something that Freud did in the 1800s, mm. where he said... The only real orgasm for a woman is the penetrative one. Anything else, in his words, is juvenile. So he says a mature woman can, the only orgasm that counts is through penetration. Wow. And he creates, I mean, we're all dysfunctional thanks to him. Yeah. But you know, just I mean, 2,000 years ago, the Kama Sutra was saying that, you know, you, it, it, it's very hard to synchronize orgasms and pleasure for men and women because our pleasure is so different yeah. so don't try and synchronize it build on it yeah. you know this is what you do this is what you, this is how you get pleasure this is how you mm. get pleasure build on it but no we've kind of gone down this path of saying okay freud said this damn it you try and break down that narrative now mm. you get trolled for saying well how dare you say this you know thing mm. isn't it isn't it crazy how a man is advising the woman, the best way that a woman's pleasure should be. But that's like, what, isn't it? Like that's what we started with. That a yeah. woman's body and her sexuality was always a man's property. Yeah. And yeah, it's full circle, isn't it? Yeah. Men are still advising women exactly how they should feel, how should they think, and what they should be when, doing with their bodies in yeah, general, and when yeah. they should feel pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. So, yeah. It's yes. It's. Um, it is literally, as I said, um, for all the ladies listening out yeah. there, um, start in your head. That's that's where it begins. Well, Seema, thank you very much for coming on. Brilliant. And I actually recommend your book to every man in the world. I think <laughs> everyone should be reading that. Thank you. Thank you for having me thank as well. You.